Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and we're doing things a bit differently on this episode. Typically, I tell a story here that relates to the whole episode or a certain section of the episode that we delve into after the introduction music. But today, the story I'm going to tell is the episode. And it's a it's one of my favorite stories of all time. I remember hearing it in the spring of 1988. And if you are a regular attender of a Protestant church, your pastor may have shared this story as well. And I think it's appropriate. I started thinking about this story again. I haven't thought about it in years. Based on the last two episodes, one was why teachers are quitting. And the second one is Um, What about parents that are struggling? And I started realizing the importance for people to have a win. You know what I'm talking about. I don't mean a win on a sports contest. I don't mean a win in a competitive situation. I'll give you an example. My biggest struggle in school recently is the feeling that people don't care, that I present something that is really troubling me and the responses suck it up. And to an extent, I agree with that. There are some things that you just do have to suck up. In this situation, I was being asked to do something over and over again, which contractually I had to do, but to the exclusion of most of my other colleagues. There was one other colleague I was also being asked. It was like the two of us, when you had a field of 10 to choose from, it was only us two. And I I let my complaint be known, but part of me felt like this is just going to be again where I'm going to be told in a nice way, suck it up. But I wasn't. And where the people in charge who could help me out here may have seen it as a very small detail, really not that hard of a situation to handle because it really wasn't. At the same time, to me, it was huge. It really was. It, was. it wasn't the act of relieving me of some of these responsibilities and spreading the responsibilities out. It, it, although that was really nice and I needed that. It was that not only was I heard, not only did they understand, but on this situation, they agreed. And like I said, sometimes you need to win. Help me out, process a lot of other things that have been troubling me. And it helps you get through because you realize there are people out there who care. And before I go on, you're listening to the Parent Teacher Conference Podcast. I'm Coach Cullen, your host. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, if there are things that I say in this episode, especially the story, if you think it's a great story and you want other people to hear it, please feel free to expand our audience by sharing this podcast episode with a friend. Some easy ways to do it, tell them to go to Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, and to look for the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. There are several of them. The one you need to look for is there is a guy with a baseball hat on with a coffee mug covering up his mug. That's the, that's the, and tell them to look for the episode, A Great Story even if it's not true. Of course, you can 
share the link to this individual episode. There's a box down the bottom of whatever app you're listening to me on, and it has an arrow pointing up. You click on that, it will copy the link. You can text that out to friends. If you go on Twitter and you go to Coach Cullen 411, you will find I post these on Twitter, the episodes. You can tweet that out. You can share on Facebook. If you found it on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast page on Facebook, you can share this out to friends as well. And if you have anything you would like to add to the conversation on any episode, not just this one, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. That's P as in parent, T as in teacher, C as in conference podcast 411. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. And we are talking about little acts of kindness that can go a long way. Our kids need that. If there are students, if there are children, they need it. But so do our teachers and so do our parents. And it doesn't have to be magnanimous. It can be something very little. You know, we do a thing called advisory in school. About twice a month, I meet with the same group of students. And typically, it's supposed to be they have an outlet to kind of talk, relax. And this week, we were supposed to teach on respect. And, you know, kind of like question them, like, what is respect? What's this? And I just kind of ditched that lesson because it's not about talking about what respect is. It's what is doing respect. So what I did is I, I went out and bought a bunch of thank you cards. And I talked to the students. You know what? When you say thank you, something so small, when you say thank you, you are showing respect. You know, even when somebody holds the door open for you and you say thank you, what you're saying is, I respect the fact that you took a little bit out of your time to do something for me, even though I don't know who you are. So I asked my students, think of a teacher in a school. It doesn't have to be a teacher. It could be somebody on staff. And ask yourself, who is somebody that you want to just say thank you for? It doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't, I go, it doesn't have to be a lot. Just like a thank you when somebody holds the door open for you. Just Write a thank you, one of these thank you cards out to a teacher that you believe just needs that little bit more today. And it was really neat. We went around, we delivered our thank you cards, and I've had some responses that people have been like very touched. And I've had that as a teacher. I, I think I've told the story once about a young lady who was having a rough day some lot of parent issues going on at home and I just noticed there was something wrong and so I asked is everything okay and she said yeah everything's fine and I guess later on in the day I saw her in the hallway and I asked again are you sure everything's okay and she said yes and it, I didn't know this at the time she in fact I forgot this story when she said it, I did remember it uh, but she reached out to me years later on through Facebook privately and said, do you, I don't know if you even remember this. That's the, that's the thing. When you do something really nice, you hard, most time for you, it's not, not much of an effort. But she said, that was a big deal. I needed somebody to know that they cared. And even though I wasn't willing to share with you all that was going on in my home life, the fact that you recognized there was something wrong helped me. I think of a former colleague of mine. I went out, I haven't seen him in years, so I went out to visit him. He was about two and a half hours away. We both taught in Connecticut. He lives in Pennsylvania. 
and I live in New Jersey now. So I drove out because he actually lives very close to the Little League World Series, Williamsport, right? So I wanted to see the museum. It wasn't during, I should go up there for a game for like the World, the Little League World Series. That's another story. So anyway, so I went to go visit him. I hadn't seen him, not 30 years, probably like 20 years. We worked for about three years in Connecticut. My wife and I on our cross-country trip had come through, this is like the late 90s. His wife had just had a baby, and there's a picture of my wife and I on his couch in his living room holding this baby. So I went back to the house. He invited his son that we were holding over. He was about to be married. I mean, it was like I said, it was like over 20 years later. Now we got to meet his fiance and his other children that we've never met before. As we're eating dinner, he said, I don't know if you remember this. I was trying to explain to my children who you were. They knew about my teaching days in Connecticut. And I wanted to explain something that you meant to me. And I don't you remember you remember this story. And I again, I didn't. Most of these things that you do for people, you just don't remember. He, But it went, again, when he said the story, this more than the girl story, because I, and maybe a lot of my memory is what she, based on what she said, this story I absolutely do remember, but only because it meant so much to him and he brought it back up. In the history of my life, it was very trivial. In the history of his life, it was a big deal. And you're going to see why in a second. So we're at dinner again. He's sharing this story. He and his wife decided that they wanted to get closer to home, to be around family as they started one themselves. It was very expensive. We both worked in a private school. We weren't making a lot of money. And Lower Fairfield County, Connecticut is not the cheapest place to live. So they had decided they wanted to move back to Pennsylvania. It was the last day of school, but there was no students. It was a teacher work day. And he had an interview at a high school around the area where he grew up. So he asked the headmaster if he could have a day off so he could go interview for this job. The headmaster said no. Probably because he was a great teacher and he knew if he went to this interview at a public school, he was going to be offered more money and he was going to lose him. But who, how dare that headmaster do that? How dare he insert himself into my friend's life like that? So when he told me the story, I was pretty angry. And my friend was like, you know, I can come in in the morning and if I can leave around, you know, just before noon, I'll make it out there no problem. But the problem, of course, was... What happens if the headmaster was looking for him? Now, thankfully, the headmaster wasn't our direct boss. I mean, he was our overall boss, but we had a principal. So in the course of a day, it would be rare or ready for him to look for my friend. But what, what if, right? You had to play off the what if scenario. And I said, I'll run cover for you. I'll say you had to step out, that you'll be back, and then I'll just leave it at that and hopefully he forgets. And my friend said, you know, you were staying at the school. You would have gotten into big trouble if it was discovered. Because I wasn't getting the trouble. I'm gonna, I'm going to interview for jobs, and he did get the job that he interviewed for. But he realized that I was taking a tremendous risk, so he could accomplish what he he felt was necessary for the good of his wife and his future family. And he he said that. 
he, and he even said, he goes, I know you may not remember this, but it meant so much to me. Those little things. For me, my father always said to me, I never want you to feel like I've given you something. I want you to earn things in your life. And it's not that my father was in a career that he could pull strings. He was a factory worker. But he was, he did help out on my Little League baseball team. I was pretty horrible in baseball. I always, I, I, I've shared that before. When I first started baseball, I was the worst kid in the league. My second year, about over halfway through the season, the head coach went, went up to my dad and said, listen, our regular second baseman's out. I'm thinking about putting Kevin at second today. I always played the outfield because I stunk. And my father said, hey, just don't put him there because of me. And the, and the coach was like, no. I'm putting him there because I think he deserved it. He, he's he been playing better over the last couple of weeks in practices and games. My father told me that. He says, I want you to know you earned this. This was not because I was helping out coaching. And I had a great game. I, I fielded a ground ball. I caught a pop-up. And these were two big things. And for the first time, I heard my teammates cheer for me that I did something well. And that little act, I'm just going to start Kevin today at second and see what happens. And I went back to the outfield next game. But that little act of the coach saying, I'm going to give him an opportunity, turned into, I always say, that is the event that turned into a lifelong love affair with playing and following baseball. So what little acts have happened to you, little acts of kindness that have had a profound impact on your life? And have you ever had the opportunity to hear somebody tell you what was very little for you? was such a big deal for me. And again, I'm talking about this to encourage you to do more of that because like people express to me, and like I just expressed to you in this baseball situation, they weren't big productions. It didn't take a lot of effort on the person delivering the kindness. You know, it's like you planted a small seed that grew into a giant tree. And the story I'm going to share today, after the intro music, will really drive home this point. If you go to Protestant churches, your pastor may have shared this story or something similar. It's the story of Teddy Stoddard. Now, you may have heard it expressed as a true story. It isn't. In fact, people have so personified this story, the if you remember the Crystal Cathedral on Sunday mornings with Robert Schuler, he used to address it as actually happening and he was involved. This is a tale of fiction I'm about to tell you. So I might be crushing some of you who have already heard the story. You've always for years thought this was a true story. It wasn't. Let me share with you the background. This is from Snopes.com. The work of fiction about Teddy Stoddard was penned by Elizabeth Silence Ballard in 1974 and printed that year in Home Life Magazine, a Baptist family publication, where it was clearly labeled as fiction and presented as such. It was not based on any real-life personal experience, although Ballard did base some of the details on elements of her own life. She has expressed disappointment that her fictional work continues to be circulated as a true story. Reached at her new home in Rockingham, North Carolina, she was dismayed to hear it's still being passed off as truth. 
I think it's absolutely wrong to do that, she said. Quote, I have had people use it in their books, except they made, except they made it as if it happened to them. In the 80s, I heard Robert Schuller tell this story on one of his broadcasts. He told it as if it was someone he knew, end quote. Many of the details that you're about to hear, including the homemade wrapping paper and Teddy's wedding date, were taken from Mrs. Ballard's life. She remembers vividly her humiliation at giving a homegrown present to a teacher as a child in North Carolina. She said, the broken bracelet and perfume were a tidbit from a teacher friend who had gotten such a gift from a child in the class where she was a long-term substitute. Again, this information I provide you with was from Snopes.com. And I know Snopes does have some difficulties, especially when it comes to politics, where they have their opinion as if it's fact. But this one's pretty accurate, so we're going to go with it. I did trust but verify. I looked up in several sources, and this is accurate. So I hope you enjoy the Teddy Stoddard story, even if it isn't true. Hopefully it inspires you. Because... If you believe that there are teachers struggling, wondering if they should still continue on with their profession, parents who are struggling at their wits end of knowing what to do with their children, or a child who is struggling, which this story focuses on, it doesn't matter if it's a child or an adult, we all struggle. And we all need little acts of kindness. So the reason I am sharing this story is to encourage you to do those simple acts of kindness that go a long way. Without further ado, the Teddy Stoddard story. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on Fan School. Welcome to your parent teacher conference, where a 24 7 parent and full time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. There is a story many years ago of an elementary school teacher. Her name was Mrs. Thompson. And as she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, she told the children a lie. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same. But that was impossible because there in the front row, slumped in his seat was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he didn't play well with the other children, that his clothes were messy, 
and that he constantly needed a bath. And Teddy could be unpleasant. It got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would actually take the light and marking his papers with a broad red pen, making bold X's and then putting a big F at the top of his papers. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records. And she put Teddy's off until last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well liked by his classmates. But he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, His mother's death has been hard on him. Teddy tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest. And his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in the heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of perfume but she stifled the children's laughter. When she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist, Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smelled just like my mom used to. After the children left, Mrs. Thompson cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching reading and writing and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. And despite her lie 
that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became one of her teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy telling her that she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Six years went by before she got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school, third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Four years after that, she got another letter saying that while things had been tough at times, he'd stayed in school and stuck it out and would soon graduate from college with the highest of honors. <laughs> and Teddy assured Mrs. Thompson that she was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had in his whole life. Four more years passed and another letter came. This time, he explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, Teddy decided to go a little further. The letter explained that Mrs. Thompson was still the best and favorite teacher he ever had. But that now, his name was a little longer. The letter was signed, Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. The story doesn't end there. You see, there was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said he'd met this girl and he was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago and he was wondering, Mrs. Thompson, would you sit in the place at the wedding that is typically reserved for the mother of the groom? Of course, Mrs. Thompson did. And guess what? She wore that bracelet. You know, the one with several rhinestones missing. And she made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other, and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, Thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me I could make a difference. Mrs. Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. And that's the Teddy Stoddard story. It may not be true, but it's a wonderful reminder of the truth of the Walt Whitman quote made popular by Ted Lasso. Be curious, not judgmental.
Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.